So, Gary, I don't know if you heard, but uh, OnlyFans heard the cries of the Pod Wars fandom, and they're allowing sexually explicit content to come back online. Well, they had letters from hundreds of thousands of people being like, we want to see Justice's Amon insert this here and inserting this in his here. And they decided to eventually give it back. So you're now going to be able to quit your day job, right? Oh, for sure. Y'all don't know how much money I'm going to be making. That dad bod content, it's going to just shoot off. Anyway, but going off on that, just saying, it seems like when people make apps, they let sex workers or whatnot do their thing and then the app gets really popular and then they're like you know what we should make it more wholesome and then they ban all that stuff and then the app dies i'm not saying that i'm promoting that stuff i'm just saying there seems to be a relationship that happens he's just saying it's efficient that's what he's saying (laughs) (laughs) but speaking of that line we're gonna be covering today some what if some different comic creator type news and also we're pod wars by the way we have a name for this podcast um we also don't have uh, sexually explicit content but we're working on it guys i'm here with my good friend justice what's up guys i haven't done that in a really long time you really haven't it it, it has a good spring to it i'm I'm happy with that but we're also going to talk about what a little bit of the no way home trailer as well which has shocked the world it's about time they drop that. And yeah, we'll also end with uh, something comic related. It's probably just going to be like what I'm reading, not, hey, this is a comic. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be little thoughts from Justice. But dude, what do you want to start out with? No Way Home trailer or the what if? I don't know, man. Um you haven't we we like to do this thing we're probably gonna go with no way home just because this simple fact uh gary doesn't like to watch the trailers i don't know why uh i watch them as soon as they drop i've probably seen the no way home trailer trailer like seven or eight times so what we like to do in the podcast is pause it which you have no idea that we actually paused it watch it and then you get a gary's immediate reaction uh so that's probably what we're gonna do and so we're gonna pause it and we'll be right back right now a oh, holy crap dude okay so i saw some of the spoilers but not all of that and i'm still freaking out um so i'm gonna collect myself and my emotions while justice uh spits some straight facts and knowledge right, at you so speaking of straight facts and knowledge this trailer has been the most watched trailer out of any movie in 24 hour period I believe it's like 355.5 million times. And Endgame was only like 294, something around there, like 290s. I don't know. It, that's a crazy amount of people. And I'm 10 of those. So. That's insane. <laughs> I can't imagine. And half I can't of them imagine are just the amount of like actual content creators who are getting paid that how many times they had to watch and break down. And I have many, many points that I want to bring up that I've been I've been thinking about this and talking it with so many people. Uh, so I'm I'm ready to dive in on this, Gary. What are your what what are your initial thoughts though? Okay. I definitely think that um, some of the scenes were uh, kind of fake outs. In that like I think there's times when like I've seen some of the theories of them being like, oh this suit looks more like it's toby mcguire not tom holland i i just think there's times in there where they may have had 
Spider-Man Tom Holland flying through, but it could be one of the other ones. I, I just think there's some CGI trickery going on to throw us off. Kind of like how they did with Infinity bit. War with the Hulk running in at the end instead of him being in the Iron Buster suit. Exactly. I, I think there is some trickery, um, mainly to help not spoil everything. Uh, I also am very happy they didn't just have it end with like Toby showing up, Toby Maguire from the original Spider-Man. Um, I think the Doc Ock reveal and the little teaser for the Green Goblin or possibly Hobgoblin um, were were enough to like get us intrigued, but not completely drop the Toby right. Andrew. And Garfield another bomb. fact that I'm about to lay on you guys is this movie is running around 150 minutes long, which will be the longest non, I guess, Marvel movie, the non MCU, like non Disney made Marvel movie. I think that's what someone was saying. Just it's going to be an extremely long movie. It sounds like they're trying to do a whole lot. I'm really excited about that. Yeah. I, I'm excited about that. I saw that it's long, longer than Endgame or, or Infinity War or both, actually. Um, so they're going to fit in a lot. Um, so do you want to break down some of the Easter eggs in there, Justice? The little tidbits uh, yes, they gave I us? Yes, I have uh, 13 of them. So <laughs> so I, they're in no specific order, so I do apologize. Uh, but we'll, we'll, we'll just walk through them, if that's cool with you, Gay. Uh, so yeah, the, I think the... There's two big ones. The biggest one being they're pulling from a specific comic uh, that is one of the more more controversial Spider-Man storylines, and that's No Way Home. Oh, sorry, um, One More Day, and written by Dan Slott. And that Spider-Man comic is about, uh, I believe, Aunt May is dying. Everyone knows that who Spider-Man is, and he goes to and makes a deal with Mephisto to save his aunt, and by doing that. He makes this deal where uh, Peter and MJ can no longer be together, and he kind of steals that relationship that they have. They can no longer be married. They can't be together, and that's the basically the essentially the one more day plot. Um, and and so that's what kind of looks like what they're trying to accomplish in this No Way Home, where they're trying to take away the memories of everyone knowing who Spider Man is. Yeah, because in the uh, one more day plot, basically. Peter and MJ are married, and he sacrifices the entire memory of their marriage and relationship for the sake of getting Aunt May back. So it seems like in this case, he's like against his will, kind of, giving up the whole the whole memory of him turning into Spider-Man with his best friend, with MJ, with Aunt May. So it's definitely taking a lot from it but instead of mephisto we have doctor strange Which, the main again kind of like with um wandavision there's <laughs> been more fan theories on maybe i think doctor strange is kind of out of character in the trailer that was my next point that i wanted to bring up uh one it's very yes. weird that the sanctatorium has snow in there uh i don't know what that's all about maybe it's because they never fixed the fact that the hulk busted through or you know Bruce Banner fell through, but I don't really think that's it. I think there's something else going on. It's very weird why he would, you know, warn Wanda about not breaking the multiverse, but then do a spell that could essentially just destroy the multiverse, which it sounds like it does or aids in it. So I, I just think he's not himself. So maybe he's Mephisto. Yeah, I'm, I, I want to placate that justice, but 
I mean, that's a no from me, dog. I don't think he's Mephisto, but I do think he's out of character. I think you're onto something there. Like, he's in, like, shabby sweatpants-type clothes. He's holding a mug that says, for fuck's sake, as a great F-word pun, which I do appreciate. And it's it's definitely different. I wouldn't say it's necessarily out of character for Doctor Strange to, like, say F the magical rules, because that's kind of what he did against Dormammu. But, like... He just seems a little And I also off. think uh, that when Wong is telling him don't, I'm wondering when he's leaving, if that's him going to fight Abomination or, you know, because we've seen him in the Shang-Chi trailer, I believe. Yes. I wonder if that's him leaving mm-hmm. to go do that. Yeah. Or like he's going on another mission. That's just a random thought. That's not one of my, that's not one of my points that I had, but. Certainly possibility, um, but to go back to the Doctor Strange thing of him seeing off character, we have to realize this is happening after uh, He Who Remains is killed, and the whole mer- multiverse goes to hell, or it's happening simultaneously. That's, that's with the it. thing. So I don't know because we. So like, I think Doctor Strange is thrown off because he saw that happen, and he's like, "Well, shit, we're really screwed," <laughs> and so he's kind of like in this. Really so I saw this really great place. Parks and Rec. Uh, you know the scene where Ron's kind of like, all right, who broke it? And they all go around and like Leslie's like, I did it. It was me. And uh, th- everyone starts blaming each other. Well, they, they had for each character like a different, um, you know, Marvel character underneath the, the Parks and Rec character. So like Wanda was like, I broke it. It was me. And they, they're, they're going through and, um, <laughs> you know, one, like the last one is... Um, I forget her actual actress name, but Rita, the black character, uh, someone turns someone turns to her and is like, "Yeah, it was her," and he, and she's like, "Really?" And it's like underneath him is Captain America, <laughs> with him going back in time. So like that was just a really funny thing. But if you think about it, there are a lot of things that could have potentially just made this whole multiverse blow open. Is it was it Wanda doing? Was it Sylvie killing He Who Remains? Was it uh, Doctor Strange? messing with this whole spell or whatnot i don't really know i'm not sure if marvel is going to confirm or not or if they already did someone can tell me i'm wrong but it just seems like there's a lot of like those three things have really uh could play into a huge effect of why the multiverse is you know suddenly gone bonkers yeah it definitely could there's a lot with the multiverse they have to break down still um, which, I mean, we get a little bit of taste in our, in the show, What If. But let's go into a little bit more of the hoopla going on there. Give me yes. some of your other so, points there. The other big thing, I talked about how they're doing the one more day thing. Now, since we have the multiverse full blown open, you have other characters from other universes, other Spider-Man movies coming in. And the big one is the Alpha Molina Doc Ock from Spider-Man 2 coming in saying, hello, Peter. And the big thing that people are talking about with that one, and I certainly agree, is when you're watching that scene where his like leg comes out and cramples the bridge, and then you see Doc Ock, his, like, there's smoke behind it. It looks like it's two completely different scenes. And then he says, hello, Peter. And then it goes to our tom holland peter and he's kind of far away and he turns into his iron spider suit so it doesn't seem like that scene where he's talking to peter is our tom holland peter i think he's talking to toby i i would agree because also like 
how would that Doc Ock know that Tom Holland is Peter Parker? I, I really think he's talking to Toby because it, it's the thing that makes Right, and so sense. another thing that is huge with this movie is the other villains, and it seems like they might be doing the Sinister Six. So in the trailer, you can see, obviously, there's Doc Ock. We don't know if it's the Green Goblin or the Hobgoblin. It is confirmed that Willem Dafoe is in the movie, but there's been reports that Ned, uh, Peter Parker's friend, uh, has lost a lot of weight and sometimes in the comics or at one point he does take on the mantle of the hobgoblin so maybe he's like a multiverse alternate reality ned who's evil who knows um in that trailer you also see a lightning bolt and they're really playing off of the actual comic character accurate version of electro that jamie fox played and, which wasn't i didn't think he did a very good job of playing that character anyway but it seems like it's more comic accurate and then you can also kind of see in that scene very split second there's this huge like sand thing that kind of moves up and i think that's sandman from from spider-man 3 so that's one two three four the fifth one people are saying if you pause it he's going peter goes and talks to like dr connors and that's where you get the lizard and then the last one I'm assuming is the vulture who's in prison, but I really don't know who that sixth villain would be. I don't know. I, I definitely got Sinister Six kind of vibes from it, which is awesome, but it's a lot to take take on in one movie. Like they need every minute of that runtime to get all six of those characters built up enough. Um or it can end up like a Spider-Man 3, where they have so many villains, they all lose their kind of emphasis in the story. But Sinister Six is also a perfect opportunity for three Spider-Men to be needed because it is so many dang villains that you right. need extra So help. other things that I noticed, there's Spider-Man, or Tom Holland, is running through a soup kitchen, which is a reference to Aunt May's own... She owns a soup kitchen in the comics called Feast, and she really tries to help the poor. And so that's kind of cool that they introduced that. If you've ever played the video game, then that's a very central role in the video game. It's a place that you go to repeatedly. But he's also wearing a black suit. I do not think it's the Venom suit. I think it's just one of the many spider suits that he's worn over the 60 years that they've been writing comics. I hope we get a better picture of it. I have seen some action figures. Uh, some people are claiming that it's like his multiverse suit, but I'm, I'm not really sure. Yeah, I, I saw that and immediately thought, okay, is this Venom suit? But that leads into a lot of confusing variables. Like, are they going to bring in Tom Hardy Venom? Because they are mentioning that Sony to Marvel kind of crossover coming on. But again, that's the issue of getting too many characters in in one Tom movie. Hardy, Tom um, Hardy did just come I don't out know. and say that he wouldn't have done the Venom thing had there not been a planned crossover that was going to happen. But I don't think it's going to happen in this movie. There's already way too much going on. There's way too much going on. It, it can't happen. I I'll, I definitely think it's going to be different because uh, Russo brothers, Kevin Feige, have teased a lot the idea of Secret Wars, which is where the original comic that led to the Black Venom suit um, coming alongside the MCU at some point. So I think they're going to save it for then. Right. I don't think they're going to waste it I don't, I don't it think now. they'll waste it. I, I do think that they'll do a crossover at some point, though. The other points, got a few more. One, we see him in getting interrogated in a police cell. 
it has been also confirmed that the Daredevil cast, some of the Daredevil cast, like specifically Charlie Cox, is getting introduced. Some people are claiming that you can see him, and that's how Peter gets out of you know being questioned. I don't really know if it's him. The dude in the trailer seems kind of overweight, and if you've watched the Daredevil series, Charlie Cox is ripped, so I don't think that's him. But I do think he is introduced in the movie, and that's probably how Peter gets out of the whole you know, hoopla of him killing Mysterio. Which, I mean, that would be super cool. Charlie Cox has mentioned multiple times how he wants to be part of the MCU. He wants to play Daredevil again. And I think it would be an easy way to kind of bring him in that isn't going to be well, too much. You know, if he, it's he's not just playing the lawyer role. There's multiple role. comics where Darede- or, sorry, Matt Murdock, who's the old, uh, you know, Daredevil has represented Spider-Man in many court cases and has helped him get off so that, you know, the Kingpin doesn't, you know, send him to jail or whatnot. So it's not a unknown concept for comic book fans for Matt Murdock to be Spider-Man's lawyer. Yeah, it definitely could could work in there pretty well. Better than the idea of the black suit being Venom. Um I think that one is an easier so, thing to So other things in I there. noticed in the trailer, we're getting kind of a similar trippy vibe like we did in Doctor Strange where it's like the mirror world where the multiverse is, you know, definitely opening and you have the two, like the worlds kind of bending. thought that was kind of cool. I love, uh, Doctor Strange was definitely one of those movies where if you're a person who likes to smoke weed or get high, you definitely want to go and watch that. Um, <laughs> but uh, other things that I noticed, the day that they dropped the trailer is the same day that the little heart and WandaVision, you know how they like, there's the date. Yeah. Marvel was telling yeah. us the day that they were going to drop the no way home trailer all the way back in January. <laughs> I think that's pretty crazy. That is insane. Uh, yeah. I love, all right, love other that. things to think about. So there's definitely scenes where we see Doctor Strange and he has the Eye of Agamotto on him, which is very confusing and I want to know why it's there because we've seen Thanos take that and smash it and it's no longer a thing. So why is it on him again? Why does he have it? That is a good point. Um, I I was thinking about that too when I was seeing like little spoilers throughout the week. Um my thought process is that the Ancient One mentioned how each timeline needs their Infinity Stones to kind of keep it from getting uber chaotic. Maybe Doctor Strange was involved in getting new Infinity Stones to this universe, but, or maybe they regenerated. Something but happened. But that so whole that you idea have them. was because she realized that there is the TVA, and now there's no longer any TVA going on because 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 Sylvie so like that. True. I don't know. It's it's. I feel like everything is up in the air right now. It's crazy. And we get this whole what if stuff going along with it. All right. My last point. Uh, I want to know what Peter is holding when Dr. Strange astro projects Peter's body out of the spider suit. He's holding a box and I want to know what he's holding. Yes. Yeah, I, I have no idea with that one. Doctor Strange fans out there, let us know if you have any idea who like what he's holding on to, because I think it's cool. It's not one of the like grimoire books at all. It's a weird like cube type thing. I definitely did not think that we would be able to spend this much time talking about the trailer, but we definitely could because there's just so much in that trailer. I, there's so much there's so much to 
like think about i'm trying to avoid the overhyping of it and just enjoying it for what it is because the trailer alone what they showed us is going to be a dope movie just the fact that spider-man and doctor strange working and there's at least the cameo of doc ock like i'm happy with that alone so like i'm trying not to get overhyped on the idea right, of toby I, and andrew garfield i tweeted out something about how i didn't want to have another tlj on my hands like i don't want the fan theories to ruin this movie for me I just want to experience it for what it is. I do think, or it, it was, sorry, it was very cool. My, I told my parents to start watching What If, and my mom likes it. My dad doesn't really like it. We're going to get into it soon. But he was like, Justice, I watched that trailer, and I absolutely loved it, and I'm so excited. And my dad's not one of those guys that, like, watches trailers and then, like, messages me about it. But so it was kind of cool. He's like, and then mm-hmm. I go and watch What If, and then I fell asleep. I'm like, dude, what the heck? Yeah, I, I appreciate what if, and we'll we'll have to get into that more. But I'm excited for far for far from home for no way home. I think it's going to be great. I think everything's going to be chaotic as far as MCU right now, which is like for a Marvel fan, that's exactly how I love it. I love it to be chaotic and weird, and I think it's good that they're embracing that versus doing just a cookie cutter like movie model of the superhero saving the girl saving the day kind of thing they're doing something yeah and and you even have the one scene that we didn't talk about where dr strange is chasing spider-man on the trains and then there's like seven trains that pop out that that scene was pretty cool i don't even know what's going on and all of them and all of them have toby Maguire across the front (laughs) with his like arms covered out trying to stop it (laughs) i've seen so many memes of that and it's great i have not seen that but that is great All right, dude. Should we get into what if? We should get into what if. Okay. So to start out, I kind of want to talk a little bit about what if, like the concept. So essentially, this has been a comic concept for ages. And what what if does is it offers the opportunity for the authors to just go in whatever crazy directions they want because these characters think about how long spider-man's been around they have to get a lot of executive approval before doing major changes to the spider-man storyline or they have to also worry about the fan base getting pissed off of plots like one more day that really throw things out of the norm what if is the open space for the authors to be like you know what what if wolverine kills the hulk in the first time they meet and just explore it and it really provides a lot for these content creators to do whatever the heck they want and not have to worry about either fan repercussions or executives kind of telling exactly. them no. And I've, honestly, a lot of the really famous what-ifs have come to fruition and they brought that in. Like, what if Thor was a female and we've gotten that? Or, you know, what if, you know, Spider-Man mm-hmm. was a girl? And, you know, they've done a bunch of different variations of that kind of stuff. There's a ton of what ifs or like what if uncle ben didn't die and they haven't brought that one back because that's a character that will forever stay dead unlike normal comic stuff but you know there's a bunch of different options and it's just a cool you know anthology story for them to kind of explore something that you know this character normally wouldn't go through like let's you know a lot of a lot of people like to break a character so what if they break it in in certain bounds that they're not really allowed to do and that's kind of like what if does and, like, the overall tone for the What If comics can vary, but overall they kind of follow the tone of the 
of the series. Uh, they're just kind of like fun stories where you're just playing with the universe a little bit. And they tend to be a little bit more lighthearted, but there's also some ones that are pretty intense um, and <laughs> pretty murderous where like episode three of What If where a lot of people die, there are a lot of What If storylines that kind of follow that mindset. But overall, they tend to be more in the like, hey, this is a fun story and let's see what happens if something crazy, one little variable right. has changed. So Gary, let's get into the actual TV show. Just uh, before we talk about our thoughts and kind of break down the episodes, w- there's a main character that we see in the show, The Watcher. Can you kind of explain who that guy is to the people who don't know? So we saw The Watcher, I believe it was post-credits for Guardians 2, of like Stan Lee talking to the different Watchers, kind of insinuating the fan theory that Stan Lee, his cameos are just The Watcher showing up. Um, And what they are is these beings that originally way back in the beginning of the universe were some of the most advanced beings in kind of this overall Marvel universe. And they at first tried to use their advancements to help lesser societies, lesser being less advanced. Um, And then they had a few cases in the comics where they did this and it completely blew up in their face and made things significantly worse. So then they later throughout their history, after kind of the crap hit the fan with them trying to help others, they decided our job instead is to watch. We are not going to intervene. We're going to merely chronicle what happens throughout the universe as the watchers. So their entire premise is that they are around major events within Marvel Comics, and whenever you see the Watchers present, you know like really crazy crap is about to go down. They're like mega anthropologists. They're like mega anthropologists with really big bald heads. And that's the character we get as our kind of narrator or guide for what if. is Uatu the Watcher, the Watcher over Earth. Um, He makes appearances all throughout comics. He's really known for his appearance for the Fantastic Four's first issues fighting against Galactus. But he's essentially being the narrator, which fits well with the Watcher's role in comics. They're there to... Talk about chronology and just show the crazy things going on. Um, now, the What If show is following kind of along the comics in its overall tone, I think. Like, I, I don't know about you, Justin. I just see this like they're trying to really lean into it just being a fun kind of kitty, just like, let's just see what happens with I the think Marvel the first Universe two were like that, but then the third one definitely had its a very dark tone. Um, True. I, I liked them, but I do agree. They're they're kind of just the, okay. So I think the first one was a very f- you know formulaic. What if we did this? And it was kind of just a really easy one. The second one was kind of like, all right, let's let's really think outside of the box of you know what if this did happen. But also at the same time, I think they um, honored you know uh, Chadwick Boseman and T'Challa's character by doing it. And then the third one was just like let's mess with everyone and just be completely out of the box and different. Yeah, I'd agree with you on that, which they kind of needed to do. They needed to ease people into it, but let's let's dive into the first episode a little bit. So the first one is, what if Peggy Carter was given the super soldier serum instead of Steve Steve Rogers? Um, Oh, sure. Well, Captain Carter, which is 
is important, and I'll tell you why. So, like, uh, and this is just me being the uber nerd, being like, it's important justice, because Captain Britain is blah, blah, blah. But I'm going to do that right now. So it's Captain Carter, because Captain Britain is a whole different thing, where it's this core of kind of super soldiers who work on the omniversal level in the comics of basically trying to defeat bad guys who are trying to destroy the multiverse. So that's why they kind of made sure they wouldn't say it's Captain Car- Captain Britain, it's Captain Carter. Um, I'd love to see if they use her again to kind of create the Captain Britain Corps. That would be really cool. I think cool. that would be really dope, but it's it would be really cool. And they did say she's going to be coming back if not this season, for sure next season. So she is coming back at point. So that'll be really cool if they use her to make this core of Captain Britons to kind of fight well, against multiple I know we're jumping in, or I'm going to jump ahead a little bit, but they definitely end the second or the the first episode on a cliffhanger. So I'm wondering if there's certain episodes that are going to kind of tie in together, and then there's other episodes that are just going to be anthology. Because I I know that they said the first season is only ten episodes. And then maybe the second season, we're getting another 10. But for some reason, when I thought way back in the day, they were saying they were going to do 23 episodes and they were going to be 30 minutes long. But it seems like we're just getting 10 for right now. So I'm wondering, you know, maybe some will connect, maybe some won't. Yeah, and I looked over my notes here. She is coming back in season two. So I think that they left a lot of opportunity for things to connect. So one of the things... Um, so one but of the things dive- that I had to wrap my head around when I was, you know, first watching, and I guess this might maybe help you guys if you're kind of iffy or not really sure if you liked it or not, is that they're trying to tell a whole story in 30 minutes. So there's certain things that they are going to like mm. let breathe, and then there's other things that they have to be really choppy with it. And, and I think that really happens in the first episode where it seems like there's some bits that are super choppy, super short, but then there's other scenes where they like really let like it breathe out and they let the, they let it play out and, and it's good. Uh, but just you know they they took the Captain America first Avenger movie and they tried to do it in 30 minutes, which is really hard. But I think they did a good job of taking the the necessary pieces to make it a successful episode. And you can look at that as a weakness in the show or as a strength. Like, I kind of like that they make it a concise, short story. I appreciate when episodes are more around that 30-minute mark versus nowadays where everything is going for at least 45 to an hour. But it does provide more of a challenge. So you have to understand the limitations they have. I'll add in another limitation is that... so. They mentioned how a lot of the main actors are coming back to voice the roles. Uh, One, Chris Evans isn't voicing Captain America in this episode. But you got Sebastian Stan. You got the same actress who played Peggy Carter. Now, I, I don't know if you felt the same way, Justice, but I think their dialogue wasn't great and it's not because it was poorly written but because (laughs) these actors are more used to live action and they aren't necessarily the best at voice acting like sebastian stan i think was the biggest example the voice actor for chris evans definitely outshined all of the other actors in the show but that's because that's what he does uh but it wasn't something that exactly when i was watching it i really thought a whole lot about i was more kind of focused on the it being there's some areas that it being choppy but i really liked how it felt like a comic book like it you know how when you're watching into the spider-verse and someone throws a punch and there's like little 
air you can't like they're like like airlines around the person's fist as they're gonna like connect with something that happens in what if and mm-hmm. it's a different type of animation style but it's still almost a one-for-one kind of you know if you're gonna look at a comic book panel this is what it's gonna look like when someone hits someone in the face with a fist or whatnot and I, that is i just really like when they they i think lean more into the comic book aspect than they are into the live action stuff when they're doing animation they definitely lean to the comic book stuff and they also lean in a lot to kind of the original material with the mcu movie like when they have her take the super soldier serum it's basically shot for shot the same as captain american uh his his scene where he gets a serum in the movie, which I like. I think that's cool that they actually go into the attention for detail shot for shot wise. And I thought that was an interesting kind of addition to it. She's huge in that episode. She is jacked. Like Captain Carter is awesome. Like it's so cool seeing her jacked and then like falling in love with like little short and like skinny Steve, like ah, ultimate. It was very, very cute. And especially when they're about to kiss in the bar, I think they're in and Stark comes up and is like, yo, we got a car. And I, I, one other thing that I really liked about the episode is it, this universe, because of the way things happened, you know that first Iron Man suit that Tony Stark makes? Actually, his dad makes it and gives it to... Uh, I'm sorry, I'm blanking on his name. Chris Evans' character. Yeah, Steve Rogers. Gives it to Steve Rogers, yeah. Giving it to him to to use to fight <laughs> along with Peggy. And I, I don't know why, but I was just like, that's a really cool idea. I would not have thought about that. <laughs> I, I totally thought that was cool. Like... I, I, I was going to ask you what you thought about Iron Steve is kind of what I'm calling it. But, like, I thought that was awesome, his armor. The thing I appreciated the most was, like, the reflection showing that his kind of viewpoint was all this analog stick kind of data versus the computerized from the actual Iron Man suit. Like, I thought that was cool. You could see, like, the little symbols and, like, the fuel intake and yep, whatnot. definitely didn't notice that, but that is cool now that you're talking about it. <laughs> I... But it, you know how you're kind of dope. talking about how the, the first episode wasn't as dark? And then the more I think about it, it was kind of dark because Hydra's still in it. And he's, he still does the thing where, you know, he rips his face off or he kills the guy and, and then opens the wormhole and or the the black hole and the worm comes out, the octopus comes out. Like, so there is some dark elements to the story. There there are. Um, it It's not as like... Like, the third one is... I wouldn't say dark, but it definitely explores more dark stuff. Um, And I don't think it's completely a cookie cutter what if in that like, oh, it's just flipping the position of two characters. I I think they add in a lot of interesting stuff with Steve getting the Iron Man suit with like him being the one who quote unquote dies instead of Bucky. There's a lot of cool things there. And I also love like the romance between those two showing it is a true love of it's not just because Chris Evans is jacked AF and a hot piece or of man. The, there's like, and then they, they do a really good job of like making references, like self-referential, self-referential references back into the movies when Bucky's about to fall and Peggy grabs him and throws him back onto the train. He's like, you almost ripped my arm off. And everyone's like, ah, ah we got that. Like, Hey, reference. Hey, reference. <laughs> he said the title of the movie. <laughs> 
Yeah. Um, some other little factoids for the episode here. So, the beast that they're that uh, Hydra is pulling out, I thought was the biggest thing that kind of divulged away from the main plot. Um, which I, I was back and forth on how much I felt about it versus like the Steve sacrificing himself for the bombing, not taking over the world. Um, I, I've seen a few fan, th- fan theories and what they think that creature was. One is that it's the obelisk that we see in Guardians Volume 2 when Gr- Baby Groot's doing that cute little dance and they're fighting that tentacle monster certainly possible um the one i really like is that it's an elder god um which is there's multiple elder gods they're kind of these lovecraftian type creatures within the marvel universe and this one they think might be uh shama gorath who is rumored to be in doctor strange multiverse of madness basically think lovecraftian tentacle monster so it's possible i mean they mentioned this character is coming into multiverse madness later um it's it's just an interesting thing to kind of end the episode it is very sad just like in captain america first avenger he gets frozen and this episode peggy kind of goes into the tesseract and when in the first avengers movie they're messing with the tesseract she pops out and is ready for battle she's got her sword that she grabs which i think is super badass when she's using that in the movie or in the episode but it's it's very sad when, you know, uh, well, I am just blanking on names today. Nick F- Will Ferry, wow, Nick Fury, <laughs> yeah. Will Fury. Yep. It's like Will Ferrell, yes. Nick Fury. Have a kid. Uh, Nick Fury is like it's okay, soldier. You could you could stand down. And it's been you know because it's after you know seventy years and they won the war and she's just kind of realizing like she's never gonna see Steve. Yeah, and they didn't even bother with like the fake um 1940s background thing like they did for steve they're like she's tough enough she's been fighting a tentacle monster like let's just give her the shocker right you got any more ideas on uh number one before we go into two i'm ready i'm ready to go into some episode two so the concept for this when i heard it at first i was like what the heck i I thought it was kind of weird but i actually really loved the episode so the concept is what if Star-Lord was T'Challa, not uh, Peter Quill. Um, And they start out with the classic Guardian scene of him coming in to get the Power Stone, but there's immediately, like, the overall theme of the episode is Peter Quill sucks, and T'Challa would be better at his job than him. And that's kind of what it overall is. One, R.I.P. Chadwick Boseman. Uh, I think it's been like a year and a couple days since he passed, which, um, you know, you're very inspirational, and the fact that you didn't complain about anything when you were going through cancer, like, thank you for, you know, all that you did. But uh, the episode, I think, is also extremely sentimental because you were saying, yes, it's essentially, uh, you know, T'Challa being better than Peter Quill. But I think it's more of T'Challa is such a great leader when he's on Wakanda. So what happens if T'Challa is put into outer space and he is just even more that great of a leader and is able to affect the whole universe instead of just one kingdom and how what the the good that he can do Mm. and i think that's the the whole you know message of the episode which i think is a beautiful thing and a really touching farewell message for the last time that we'll ever hear uh you know chadwick boseman actor um hear his voice you know yeah, definitely. And it was a little weird for me, like, listening to him, knowing that, like, wow, like, 
this actor's gone. It's always like that for me watching something like right after an oh, actor for sure. passes, you know? It's like it's it's cool, but it's a little bit like it takes you out of the world a bit of realizing like I'm listening to this person who's right. now and, no and so the here. episode is just great because like you were saying, it's basically T'Challa is better than, you know, Peter Quill. And he like he's able to stop wars he's able to get yondu to not be a piece of shit he ate is stops thanos from <laughs> you know wanting to commit mass genocide like the the influence that he has is just phenomenal and like ever reaching okay we have to take a moment to talk about thanos because i think thanos is like my favorite part of the episode i love when he comes in and he's just basically he's like I just gave him a well-formed argument. And I'm like, what the hell kind of argument did he give Thanos? Right. You know, like, did he just say that, like, if we just rob from the rich and give to the poor, we could just reallocate the resources? And he's like, okay. Like, I, I, I don't know, but the it's hell still he told him. so funny that in the episode, he's still trying to pitch the idea of using the Infinian Stones to, you know, commit mass genocide. And everyone's like, dude, no, that's wrong. That's mass genocide. And he's like, but it's efficient. <laughs> I, I adore that. Like when he's talking with the like Dora Milaje and she's like, that just sounds like genocide. Yes. Mate, no, but it's And the other efficient. thing that I really like about the episode is the take on Nebula. She's just like a normal human being and you know, yes. she's got long blonde hair and she's got this like cute nickname for T'Challa and maybe there's a little romance, you know, going on between them. I don't know. Uh, but the, just the, it's cool seeing her be this flamboyant, fun character, not this dead inside, bald, hurt character. I don't know. That's something that stood out to me. Yeah. And so, like, you get a picture of the small impacts T'Challa would make as Star-Lord and, like, Nebula, and that her entire life is less damaged because of him plus also the huge universal impact of thanos not destroying half the universe in the snap so you get a lot of like both big and little changes from this this episode now basically this is kind of like a heist episode and like a classic oceans 12 sort of deal and it, it was fun with that concept of basically them trying to take from the collector so you see the Collector in the Guardians movies, you see him in Infinity War, but essentially he took over the power vacuum left over by Thanos, which I thought was interesting, dude, of like, of all the people to take over that vacuum, I could see Grandmaster, maybe, but like, to have the Collector was an, a different one. It's all not I know is he's I'd ripped, expect. and he's still weird. So like, it was, it's it's a cool, it's a cool He's concept, still weird. But he he's still got his weird self, and Howard the Duck is there, and the dog who's an astronaut is there. Yeah, I appreciate anytime Howard the Duck shows up, like that. Just Especially makes when my he's like, "I need happy. to, I need to stop for a drink." There's certain things that Disney does in these episodes where I'm like, <laughs> "That's super adult themed," but good for you, Disney. Oh yeah, good for you, Disney. Um, yeah. So we get a lot of little Easter eggs of kind of the collector's collection um how he has the multitude of weapons like cap shield mjornir um different el dark elf daggers hella's helmet so there's a lot of cool stuff within that collection as little nods to other areas of the mcu but let's 
let's go back to the heist here. Essentially, what they're trying to get is these seeds that are going to basically help terraform any world and make them able to support life and get rid of the the idea of scarcity. So Thanos is involved with this. Nebula is involved with this. And it leads to a kind of on purpose, um, I don't, not catch 22, but the tables are turned kind of moment where Nebula quote unquote betrays them, but then comes back and helps them. And which yeah, I thought I was a fun little twist. It coming, I think just from our experience of watching the normal MCU, we, we would assume that Nebula was still evil so when she did betray them, I was just kind of like, all right, cool. She's still the same character. She's just prettier. Uh, but I mean, but when they, the child was like, no, we planned this. And then they sat down. I did get those Ocean Eleven vibes where they explain the whole heist. And then, and then they go off and, you know, try to finish the rest of it, even though it doesn't go according to plan. But it's, it still works out well in the end. So I had to take a step back and share a little something here that was a little nugget from the episode that I really appreciate and Justice, you might hate this. So the ship was that T'Challa was, was driving, I believe was called the Murano in uh, Guardians off of Alyssa Murano, which we assume Peter Quill just had a crush on her. Um, th- it's called the Mandela in this episode, which is... Cu- it's called a Mandela in this episode mainly because, you already know what I'm going to say, mainly because, okay, South African leader, maybe from Wakanda, like T'Challa appreciated him. But in my heart, it's because of the Mandela effect showing that what if is causing multiple universes and the Mandela effect is all about these multiple universes. Whatever keeps universes. your heart happy, Gary. But going it gave back me so to much joy. even the whole what happens when T'Challa is star lord you get to you get introduced to drax and i didn't realize this until someone i don't know who it was but they broke it down to me why this episode was so important but you don't the whole character of drax in the movies we don't really get a deep character development but he's after thanos because he killed his family and in this episode you see him working as a bartender and he's happy and he's with his family and that's something that after that person said that to me it really stood out like he, we didn't get to, like he doesn't go through all this pain and suffering because of the impact that Star Lord has. Yeah, that was another big one that was like that was super happy and it was fun seeing like goofy Drax all involved there too. But there, so basically, their heist eventually leads to a showdown with T'Challa and the Collector and Thanos with the Black Order. Now, one thing that I wanted to talk with you about, dude, is essentially the Black Order. So if you remember back from Infinity War and Endgame, they're kind of the minions of Thanos. But in this episode, the Black Order kicked Thanos' ass. So, like, are they insinuating that the Black Order is stronger than Thanos? I don't know. I saw someone bring this up online that they're saying that the Black Order is stronger I don't know if it's because he's changed and he's lost his edge or if he had the infinity stones so they just have like respect for him or maybe he dominated them in the main universe so that's why they're like they serve him as master. I'm not really sure. I it it, it I do think it's pretty controversial that when they all tag team up that Thanos gets his butt kicked 
Because I, I, I can't see that really happening. And neither can I. I mean, it was mostly a story device to get Nebula to go in and save him um, as a, like, father and daughter coming together moment. But, like, I, I don't see it happening. Um, I, I would say it's probably just because he's a little softer now that he's not, like, the true Mad Titan. But it did give us an opportunity for him to be, like, not angry, mad, and do that awesome Mad Titan line, which... I was yeah, like, ah, for sure. that's so uh, great. And the action in that episode is really good, too. Especially with the Collector versus T'Challa and Yandu, when he's got, like, Korg's arm or, you know, Cap's shield and whatnot, and the, the, just the different epi- uh, weapons that they use. I thought they did a good job. And, like, it's kind of cool because the end... The ending is overall happy. Like, T'Challa wins. He's now reunited in Wakanda with his family. And there's a lot of good involved. And that ends on this super dark note of Peter Quill meeting Ego. And you're like, oh, shoot. Like, in this universe, if Peter Quill wasn't raised up in the Guardians of the Galaxy, he'd probably join Ego in his plan to... Destroy basically True. everything. So I'm wondering, even then, are we going to get a part two to that episode? Maybe not. Probably not, just because Chadwick is uh, no longer with us. But, you know, it is something to think about what happens when Peter Quill and Ego team up. Do you think they destroy the universe, or do you think T'Challa and everyone else is able to stop them? It's kind of like instead of Thanos being the big universe-wide threat, Ego becomes like because a new universe-wide threat. Because he really is threat. that powerful. People don't re- people don't realize that. Mm-hmm. Ego could, you know, mess up the universe, but, you know, they kind of just made him this side thing in Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, they did kind of underpower him, but they had to because he was only fighting against the Guardians when he could have been fighting against, like, everyone. Right. All right, you want to hop into the last episode? So episode three was my favorite so far because it's basically, it, I don't know what it would technically be, but I, I took it as what if all the Avengers were I took basically it, murdered. I think it's just like what if the Avengers never assembled? Mm. But... So this takes over the time period of Iron Man 2, Thor, the first movie, and the Incredible Hulk movie that had Edward Norton, which I thought was interesting that they kind of played homage to the Edward Norton Hulk because for all this time, they've basically been kind of ignoring the fact that it But it was still, didn't it seem Bruce Banner was still uh, played by our most recent guy, yeah, uh, the Hulk was still played just... by Mark Ruffalo, so it had homage to the to the other movie, but it still had the continuity of okay, at least Yo, it's Mark I'm Ruffalo. Y'all, I'm just struggling with names today. I apologize. I don't know what's wrong with me. <laughs> <laughs> well, when you didn't know Steve Rogers, I'm like, Will... is Justice having a stroke? Will Ferry, like, is he is he okay? <laughs> But we do have Samuel L. Jackson as well for Nick Fury. This has a lot of the original actors for voice acting. Um, now, it starts out with very similar to Iron Man 2 with like a little scene showing 
Nick Fury talking to Black Widow about the Avengers initiative. And you can tell it's kind of cool. Like it's like his Avengers speech is basically rehearsed. And she's like, I've heard this before. Can you please right. just he, stop he's saying like, this? He's got to say it over and over. Even Coulson's like, yes, we, we know. Come on. Like, like <laughs> we've been through this before. <laughs> and the big twist was when uh, Black Widow injects Tony with something to help him with his blood toxicity. It instead kills him. And it leads into kind of like a, a whodunit type of mystery for the episode, which I thought was a cool format because we haven't really done much mystery stuff in Marvel. No, we haven't, and I saw online, don't read the caption or what this episode is about and just go in and experience it for yourself. And so when he died, I was shocked. My mouth dropped. Same, because I didn't read the caption or anything either. So when he died, I was like, whoa, that, and that just happened. they move on to <laughs> Thor and his situation and Thor gets taken out by Hawkeye. And I'm like sitting there thinking, what is going on? One, I don't know if uh, Arrow would actually kill Thor. But out of, okay, if I'm going to rank my deaths, the most likely definitely is the Iron Man one. The least likely is the Hulk one. And we'll get to that. I did not like that. But we can continue. Really? Um, yeah, the Thor scene is interesting. Like, he's kicking ass, breaking in to get Mjolnir. Um, and this is back to Thor 1, where he's no longer considered worthy and is essentially a human. So I think that's how they rationalize his ability to die, is that Odin took away his guardian power. Um, so, like, he is technically human at this point and vulnerable. Um and I love how Agent Coulson is just oh, like yeah. crushing hard on him, basically being like he's just this blonde Adonis it's going like through. What fans would think or do think are thinking always will be thinking of Chris Hemsworth as Thor. Uh, yeah, it's what we all think with him. Like even when his dead body's there, like it's a little crass, but he's like they're like he's so pristine, he still looks amazing. <laughs> I'm like it's a dead guy. <laughs> But, like, it was weird because Hawkeye's arrow suddenly became loose. And Hawkeye's like, I ne- the whole thing about Hawkeye is he never misses. So he never, he wouldn't just misfire an arrow and shoot Thor. And that's where I'm like, okay, something's yeah. off so, here. When, the, um, when Hawkeye shot his arrow killing Thor, I knew that something was wrong. Because you're right. Like, I, as much as I don't care for Hawkeye, he doesn't do, he doesn't make mistakes like that. And I couldn't see him wanting to kill someone like that. But also, like, I, I could potentially see Natasha, you know, killing someone. But not Hawkeye. I don't know. Yeah. I, I, I agreed. Like, his whole thing is about very meticulous accuracy. It, it seemed off to me. So that's where I'm like, okay, there's something more going on here. Um <laughs> And we get introduced to uh, Thunderbolt Ross's daughter, played by Liv Tyler in the Edward Norton movie. And she's talking with Black Widow like she met her before, which is interesting because we hadn't really like seen them interact at all before. And basically, Black Widow's trying to figure out this whole situation and is kind of piecing together that they're going through the whole Avengers team. And we then get introduced to the Mark Ruffalo Hulk, in in the role of what he was for the Norton movie. So, like, what I wanted to talk about here was I think they did a good job of 
taking scenes from the Edward Norton movie with inserting Mark Ruffalo while having it still make sense, you know? Like, they didn't have Mark Ruffalo play Edward Norton's Hulk. They didn't have him entirely out of the equation. They still, like, played off that movie in a different way yeah, that it paid made homage, sense. homage to the Edward Norton stuff, but it was Mark Ruffalo's character, if that makes sense. And, and I think even yeah, the Hulk exactly. in itself is a mixture of both of them. But, again, so the Hulk gets killed. And I'm sorry. The Hulk doesn't die. He can't die. It's impossible. Like, dude doesn't die. And so when I was watching the episode, I kind of wanted to pause it. I'm like, nope. This, 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 like, I was, I was fine with the whole thing. And then it got to that scene. And I was like, yeah, this kind of just broke the wall for me. This is, this is a deal breaker. I don't know if I can continue this episode just because I don't think there's anything that would actually kill the Hulk. Yeah. Um, I mean, you're right. Like comic book wise, the Hulk has been destroyed and dismembered in so many freaking ways. And his whole thing is that he always comes back. Like he always reforms, which is part of like uh, Bruce Banner's curse is that he can't just kill himself and die. Um, that he's always going to come back as the Hulk. And hell, like the most recent line is called the Immortal Hulk. And the whole deal with the comic is the Hulk doesn't die. So like right. it's a central and part of the I character. I guess the way that they did kill him, I'm going to spoil it for you guys right now. They attack his... Well, no, I'm not... I guess I, we'll get to... The, no, I won't spoil it. But I'm just going to say... I'm not going to spoil it now. Spoil it later. But the way that they did kill him, I guess kind of makes sense. That's all I'm going to say for right now. It's the closest to making sense you could get. But even then, I'm pretty sure he's... I'm pretty sure Hulk has exploded from inside himself before in right. the comics. But all and I'm saying back. is they probably had some mad comic book nerds really thinking this through because you couldn't just have a silly way of him going out. Like, they had to really think that through no. very strategically for at least people like me to be like, uh, I mean, I guess. Yeah, just enough to get that. Um, and it is what if. The whole deal is that it, it doesn't have to deal with the continuity. So, like, they can kill off the Hulk, and it's close enough rationale that it kind of makes sense. Now, the murder spree continues, and the next, basically, Black Widow finds out that Hawkeye's dead, which is kind of sad moment, and that the last of the Avengers initiative are her and Fury. And we get the scene where it looks like basically an invisible thing is just beating the hell out of her. And she leaves that little ambiguous mes message about hope yeah, for Fury. Yeah, and so, the, you know, Nick Fury being the greatest detective of all time, the spy, whatnot, he's able to figure out you know, what it is. But while he's in the process of figuring out, he does struggle a little bit. But you have, because Thor got killed, <laughs> you have Loki coming down. And Loki wasn't originally going to descend on Earth to destroy it. The reason he's there is to get revenge for his brother. And so he initially is attacking all of Nick Fury's people. And he's like, whoa, whoa, whoa we can work as a team. And that's when uh, Nick... I think during that time kind of figures out, all right, I know what's going on. I have Loki on my side right now. And then I also know the message from black widow. I'm piecing it together. And he goes to hopes 
grave. And I love the kind of fight scene at Hope's grave because I didn't immediately think, oh, it's clearly Loki because Nick Fury has all kinds of crazy abilities that we don't even know about. Um, but I thought it was a cool little bait and switch with it being Loki. Now, we find out the big reveal of who's killing all the characters and we find out it's Hank Pym. Basically, the older original Ant-Man, the one uh, not played by what's his Douglas. face. No, I'm missing the names, dude. Well, it, it was uh, it was Douglas for this Ant Man, but uh, the the dude who's ageless and always looks hot. That's all of them. That's Continue every Marvel on, character. I don't know. <laughs> why can't why why can't I do this? Why can't I do this? Um, but we find out it's him, and it's a set. It's a weird motivation for him. Um, basically, he's pissed at Fury for his daughter dying. Fury's like, my daughter's a hero. She passed away in serving her world and her country and his revenge is by killing i guess all the avengers people who are going to work for nick fury versus just killing nick Which, fury himself in the end one that fixed his character to a t because we've known from the comics that he's been a crappy character a crappy person i mean he's a wife beater and just a all-around awful person created ultron so I think it's really cool that they used him in his normal shitty state because that's who he is. But he essentially screwed this universe over, specifically Earth, because Loki was like, oh my gosh, there's no more heroes. I'm going to take over. And he does. Because who's in his way now? Nick Fury can't take on Loki and Asgard by himself. No, and like... It's fitting the timing perfectly because it'd be fairly. It's well, it's still a little bit before the first Avengers movie, but I just love how like Loki's coming in just first for revenge and it's like, well, I might as well just take over the I whole thing. I did planet. like the oh. ending because there's like this idea of hope that Nick Fury is never going to let you know the Avengers initiative die or let the earth just get controlled by this random god. So he goes and finds Captain America and then he calls home captain marvel and at the like the very end like you know he wipes away the ice and you see the shield and then captain marvel like puts on her glove and he's like all right where's the battle or like where's the fight at and then it ends i'm like oh that's so cool i want more yeah i do love with the shield coming in at the end it's like a little ray of hope and it makes sense because avengers are more than just iron man and all those guys coming together there's been a lot of people on that team so it's more about the team versus exactly. the actual people on it so the episode's really good i think this week's episode is all about dr strange so i'm interested to see how that kind of ties in with you know wandavision and maybe a little of no way home i so i'm i'm wondering you know, just maybe this episode is specifically going to really impact the actual our actual MCU that we know. It, it very well could be, and I think they have a lot of opportunities to connect the episodes. But I'd also like, I I don't know. I think there's something nice about what if being its own separate. thing. All I saw is a know? couple or uh, uh, comics couple couple counseling. Holy crap! I cannot talk tonight. I apologize. Comics cup. I can't, I'm just gonna not gonna say it. Yes, Comic I'm book sorry. Couples counseling. 
yes, love you guys. You're a great they show. Posted how they saw the episode already and that it's phenomenal. So I take everything that they say at, to heart. So yes, they're so I'm, I'm assuming that it's going to be a really great episode. I'm hyped for it. I'm hyped from the Marvel Zombies episode. It's going to be pure, just like zombie flick kind of One horror. Time I was at but a I'm con all for it. And the creator of the Marvel Zombies was there, and he he was like, "Yo." I'll sign the Marvel Zombies number one for $70. And I'm like, I just don't have that kind of money right now. But I was like, I, I like, I shook his hand. I was like, thank you for writing great stories. And then I walked away from his booth. I should have just spent the money. You nowadays, you would have spent the money, bought another one of the first issues, had him sign it again, just so you'd have two. Yeah, or I'd have the uh, first DC damned one. Mm, mm, that is good speaking of which are we time are we ready for yes, some we are. comic time so there's a big shift going going on in the comic world right now and that is this app called substack i don't even know if it's an app right now but it's definitely a new website it's kind of like a mix between kickstarter and patreon but what's going on is there's always been this underlying issue in comics where the industry, I think not, not just comics in general, this is kind of just everything in art where the man is always taking the money away from the people who are creating the content. So Substack is letting these creators post their work and you can subs- you can subscribe to get their stuff. So um, for example, Scott Snyder is doing a Substack where you can pay $7 a month or $70 a year, and he, you get access to certain comics that aren't going to be in retail stores that are his indie books that are just specifically written by Scott Snyder and a couple of different artists, and you know you get them along the way. Donny Cates and Ryan Stegman have their own Substack where they are posting behind-the-scenes videos of them talking about their new book, Vanish, and you get to watch Ryan, like if you pay for the, the subscription, you get to watch him draw and he's teaching people how to draw. Um, if you, Donnie's write, like writing newsletters on how he goes on his process of different writing. So it's like this huge, I guess, like look into the comic book industry, but for them, it's also a way for them to make more money so that they're, you know, they're. I guess getting the worth out of them making this new content. And I specifically, so I'm subscribed to Tinian, but I pay for Scott Snyder and I pay for, paid for Ryan Stegman and Donnie Cates' Substack. Other people who are doing Substack that I am thinking about is Chip Zdarsky. Now, the why am I doing those two? Because I love, 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 love Donnie Cates and Ryan Stegman. I love their work, but I, they're doing, you know, YouTube videos and, um, you know, behind the scenes stuff. And to, I get to really see how they, you know, think they work and get to see new panels, how Ryan's drawing something, how Donnie's kind of working through creating new characters and writing dialogue. So that's super cool. Other things that, they're not trying to take away from retailers. They're, they're, they're going to still have their books go on retailers. The, the thing that's different is I just get a digital copy earlier since I'm subscribed. Or um, I might get an exclusive variant cover 
if I'm subscribed for being for the paying for them. So it allows you to get extra content, get things sooner, and support the creators, but also you're not screwing exactly. over the local comments. And the, comic the show. one reason that I really did Scott Snyder's is because his Substack is not only do you get to like see his work because he started a new both Donnie and Ryan and then Scott started their own publishing chains, and I believe Scott's is like full full metal jacket or something like that, and then. Donnie and Ryan's is kids loves chains. Um, and, but Scott's Substack is super school, super cool because every Wednesday is a class and he's teaching people how to write comics. So like last week was him walking through how him and Cupolo broke down and wrote court of owls, which was super cool. He, Okay, I would totally dig that one. So I, I sat there for two hours and they just talked their way through how they, you know, how he came up with the idea, like where did that inspiration come from? And like other comic, like, and then he gives us homework and the other stuff that he's going through is, you know, he's going to talk about like how to make, you know, how to come up with a theme, how to work on characterization, how to, you just like, what does it entail to make a comic? And you can ask him questions. And so that's why I paid for that one because that's something I think is super interesting. And Scott has always talked about how like there's certain people in the writing industry who are just prolific and they're talented and you know, they writing is comes easy to them. And then he talks about how there's people like him who it, you know, takes a lot of work and it's like a muscle. And like, as soon as like you finally, you figure it out for yourself and you know, you eventually can become, you know, a great, like, you know, I would say Scott's great, but that's kind of like where I'm at. So I think he would be a great teacher. So that's why I paid for that one. I just love what it, the opportunity gives to give more support to the writers. Um, we've talked about this before, but comics is are just great because they're there's not much holding back the writers for producing good material, and this is just another thing that takes away the barriers. Like for all the Star Wars fans out there who are frustrated with the Disney material because they feel like there's too much executive interference. Look into look into comics. It's a me- form of media for you because there's very little interference and this is just another level of just letting writers Charles Soule has shit. literally been knocking the doors off of all the Star Wars comics right now especially no and including Kevin Scott and Daniel Jose Older like they're doing all a great job writing their stuff I have I'm a little bit behind on the current Star Wars content I'm trying to catch up and maybe we can do like a whole episode just on the whole War of Bounty Hunters thing because that's super cool what's going on right now Mm. but the big thing that's about to happen and is Charles Soule is setting this up where you know Kira or Kiar or sorry the girl from Kira is gonna have a showdown with Leia and I think that's super cool because we've always wanted to know you know the what happened to her after Rogue One or Han Solo. I am just struggling tonight. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's fine. I just imagine Han watching them fight in the background being like, I am really enjoying yes, this. I, I can definitely see that. But all I'm saying is that if you want a, more Star Wars content, you should be reading the comics because Charles Solo is adding a whole piece to the Star Wars universe that like, is an expanding on it that like just wasn't there before. So 
Just saying, you should check it out. And Darth Vader series is really good. The Bounty Hunter series is really good. The Afro series is really good. They're all, you know, something that you should worth checking out. And the other, you know, High Republic comics are good too. But I think it's time for us to wind down for this week here. We'll give next time a little bit of comic of the week info for you to tingle your ears a little bit more. Um, we got some interviews coming on the way with, um, well, various guys possibly coming up. We'll let you know when they're official and all set. But I hope you guys enjoy the upcoming What If episode. And on this note, have a good week. <laughs>